Tom, I really appreciate you making some time for us today. I actually just um, finished my lunch as well and I watched you finish yours. So it's a nice way to, to meet. The funny world we live in these days and sort of the odd message on Instagram for a period of time. And then this is our first actual real conversation. So appreciate you making some time for us today. Um, what I feel like I know you pretty well from all your ramblings <laughs> on Instagram. Yeah. Well, I guess that's, that's something it'd be good to, to talk about that. I mean, you, you know, you've got a big following there and you're, you know, people who are following you probably feel like they know you really well. How do you go with them feeling like they know you a lot and you not feeling like you know them at all? Uh, that's a good question. I actually don't know. I have, I've had a couple of times, like I've been in the gym and somebody's come up to me and they've been like, oh, I watch your videos. And then they'll say something like, how's your bathroom coming? Because I'm, I was renovating my bathroom. I was like, Oh god damn yeah I forget I, like it is it's a really weird um thing but I guess yeah it's cool it's really cool it's nice to to connect with people I like I when when I first went into it I didn't share too much personal details I still don't think I shared like loads there's definitely a line that I draw um but yeah no it's, it's you know it's it's kind of fun and it definitely keeps me uh keeps me more accountable as well when I know people are people are checking up on me and I think that's one of the key benefits that people overlook, you know, because a lot of people won't post their stuff because they're like, well, you know, I'm not really good enough yet. But yeah, my yeah. theory on that would be probably going to get better sooner if you do expose yourself to some more accountability. You know what I mean? Like if you yeah. say you're going to do stuff, you still might not do it, but you're more likely to do it <laughs> than if you don't even say that you're going to do stuff to other people. Yeah. Do you, do you leverage that? Like does it affect your training, do you think? Oh, for sure. If I, and it's weird because I probably, like, I feel like I shouldn't be saying this because, you know, at the end of the day, this is my job to some degree. Um, yeah. And like, I feel bad. Like, but at the end of the day, you know, you're human, you suffer with, I don't know, motivation issues or whatever, like anyone else. Um, and, and certainly like having, having, you know, if I'm filming like a, a vloggy sort of video or something, or I'm sharing a training like session, I'm going to, like make sure I do my training session really well because I know I'm filming it and I'm sharing it with a lot of people um, and you know beneficial for me but then also um, ho hopefully <laughs> yeah that it shares but I'm, I'm pretty honest with that like I'll, I'll say that you know it, it doesn't always it's not always perfect because it's very easy to present that 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 image on on social media 100% and you get to edit you get to choose you know what they see what they don't see you know, do they only see your best movements when you're in your best shape? It's by nature you're going to show your highlights. Like nobody wants to yeah, see, yeah. you know, the opposite extreme of that is showing you when you go to the toilet or when you're like, you know, <laughs> when you like just get out of bed or something like that where it's like well, obviously there's no entertainment value in that. There's no like that's not anything cool. That's not – so it's self-selecting for your best stuff. Um, yeah. It's just if the viewer doesn't realise and they compare – what they're doing especially how long have you been doing this now uh like i, I mean eight years i've been training and, and doing bits but it's probably a couple of years of like bodybuilding and powerlifting in there as well yeah and how old are you now 26 and how many followers did you have when you were 16 20 my instagram started of me like posting coffee latte art photos that was actually what my instagram was and i had maybe like a couple of thousand followers and then i was then it slowly transitioned really? to like handstands and other stuff 
Did you ever think about YouTube in your your cafe, you know, cafe art? Do you have you done much content about that that I've missed? I think I've done a couple of videos um, okay. that I've done on on coffee and actually on an old channel that I had. Um, okay. But I, when I, before I went to you know, like university, I wanted to open a coffee shop. My dad was like, "No, you got to go to university, mate. Like, don't you not not open a coffee shop?" And I'm I'm very glad that you said that because it'd been a graph definitely to do. Uh, and I wouldn't have ended up here, but that was yeah the original passion still is. But... So you were you uh, actually working at a coffee shop at the time? Yeah, I worked at various coffee shops and roasters and other bits and pieces. Um, but I wanted to like open my own coffee shop. But certainly around me, there isn't. There's a couple of okay coffee shops, but there's nothing like really really good. So have you have you travelled to uh, somewhere where coffee grows? Do you know what? I haven't, and I may have the opportunity, and I really do want to, but I've, ne- I've never been there. I mean, I guess you have. I, I actually stayed in a coffee-growing region in uh, Mexico for a while in villages where that was their primary cash income, so I went and, like, yeah. harvested coffee beans with them off, like, so there were, like, immature bushes and mature bushes, and, you know, I saw, like, the actual, you know, hands-on physical process yeah. um, of organic coffee and, like, an, a local organic coffee uh, cooperative where they were roasting it and it was really like um, yeah obviously a huge part of their life and and the coffee economy is like yeah their existence so it's super interesting whether they bring in the um you know the the all the pesticides and 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 you know the chemicals and whatnot because they literally drink out of the water that's flowing there as well you know like they don't have um you know in in mexico colombia there's like much more developed industrial kind of systems i lived in pereira which is uh, also a coffee growing region in, in colombia and they um yeah like you could see it there but that was like a completely different game where it was more um you know just seasonal workers rather than being like the family land and the whole family works on it and you know yeah. the kids go to school and you know that kind of scenario where where i was in like one of the poorest parts of mexico um there's definitely a spectrum of this sort of stuff. Like, you know, you've got the real industrial where everything's done with machines and that sort of like Brazil. And then, yeah, you've got the small co-ops, which are usually where the better coffee comes out of. But, um, yeah. It's, it's, it's Come to really... think of it, like I, I actually live next to, um, I lived at the back of Byron Bay, in the Byron hinterland. And there was actually a coffee plantation, like a kilometer from where we lived in federal uh, wow. come to think of it you know like so i've actually been jumping from coffee growing region <laughs> to coffee growing region <laughs> when i think That's about crazy. it subconsciously oh, yeah. i would love to they it is a i think probably harder to get to but it would be a, a really cool experience and and certainly like knowing all of what you've just said it's amazing that you can get a cup of coffee for like two quid or a few dollars you know considering yeah. everything that goes into it it, it is a lot of work. Like we literally, like we were harvesting. So we were carrying sacks from like um, maybe like three, four kilometers away from where we had the patch to dry it. So you'd like fill up a massive Hessian bag. Some of it would go on the donkey and then some of it we would carry and then like we'd carry it back, put it through a machine, like hand um, mill it and then mm-hmm. like lay it out. And then if it started to rain, we had to sprint down to where it was like drying on the concrete, sweep it up, put it in the Hessian bags again. It was like a, a really like, a full-on process but that was like this family's like livelihood for the year like they definitely want you to keep drinking coffee because they've got those mature plants and you know like it's it's um i mean the complexities of the labor market and global economy is probably a bit beyond uh you know this podcast but like you know they were they were they were living from it you know like that was that was everything for for them and it was yeah it was such a cool experience to um to to Mm. go through all that you know with them and 
yeah, ton of ton of politics with it too. But um, so then, if you were you were you were making your coffees, and how how did you get to a couple thousand followers just with coffee? You must have been really good at it. Like a lot of people want to get to that first thousand followers or that first two thousand followers. You know, like and if you want to have a business online, like like we do, you know, that first two thousand makes all the difference, right? Yeah, I, I haven't seen. I can't remember. I think this was again. This was back in the days of Instagram, so I feel like now is. You got in early. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, um, but I was. When was you know, it? Uh, well, like, this would have been, yes, yeah, probably six or seven years ago that I was posting more coffee stuff, and um, I was like, I was doing some graphic design for a company, or like a, a a magazine company called Perfect Daily Grind, and so there was there was lots of like relationships that I had with with coffee and people and communities just the same as movement stuff you know you end up in different communities different bubbles where interacting with people and and all of those sort of things um but yeah gradually it, it became less coffee and more handstand stretching i think instagram actually is probably like pretty much mostly handstands and then uh youtube is where i do everything else yeah you got a, you've got a bit of a mix there on your on your instagram did you feel self-conscious about posting your training to begin with uh do you know what? I've, I've never really thought about it in that way. Um, I, I used to make YouTube videos like years ago when I was like 15 on gaming videos. So I've, I don't, in, in some degree, I've always enjoyed the process of like filming, making some videos. It's just something that I've done. So I, I've never been particularly self-conscious about it. I just enjoyed the process of doing it. Yeah. So it was, yeah, it's something I enjoyed doing. And, and maybe less so with the uh, with just the like pictures on Instagram, but I think that was more like accountability. I think I got into uh, Big Pool Twynham down down in um, Perth, yeah, uh, and and that sort of like handstand crew. He started the handstand three six five. So I think again, it was like that accountability aspect. I was like posting pictures of me doing handstands every single day. Upside down, Paul. Maybe maybe that's how you first came across me because I had Paul over to a workshop in Queensland at Ezra Taylor's gym. And he he ran a workshop in bodyweight stuff um maybe maybe that's the connection or maybe maybe it was already there before that but yeah paul is uh yeah he's, he's a beast he's super consistent he's a, he's a really nice sad. guy he presented really well as well to our crew like it was, um yeah he's a really really like genuine down-to-earth guy as well 100 and he got out of you know he got out of uh britain so you know he's obviously i know, <laughs> very smart as well. I know. Uh, yeah, well, I can't say much now, can I? Because I'm, you know, I've, I'm back to the motherland more or less. I'm in one of the. Uh, well, I've always been in a colony, you know, more more or less, uh, born of born of a colony, and now back to a little, a little yeah, one uh, just off the coast. Your island's doing better than this island, I think. I think so too, probably by the looks of it. <laughs> um, so, then you've, you know, when when did it actually become like a serious thing for you, like? YouTube, Instagram, like this is actually I can build a life out of this versus. Um, I don't think Instagram never was. I don't. I don't think I've ever really made money off Instagram. I think I maybe started promoting my Instagram, uh, like YouTube stuff through Instagram, and that's maybe how things got started. Um, mm -hmm. But it was it was mainly YouTube stuff, and it was actually uh, I just finished university, and realistically, like in the UK, probably. Your average person, average graduate, would earn twenty four thousand, maybe twenty eight thousand a year uh, in pounds. And that's like forty thousand US dollars, something like that. That's like average. Um, yep. So that was the prospect of what I could do with my degree. And I think at the time I had maybe about ten thousand subscribers on YouTube, um, and 
maybe five thousand followers or something on Instagram. There wasn't. It was nothing crazy. I had like a handful of clients that I've been working with for a, a little over maybe like a year or two, um, and I was like, it was it was more like a part time job, sort of equate like maybe a student would have instead of working in a cafe. That's like I just coaching people. I was char- I was charging not very much. I wasn't super experienced. I was like just accepting that um, and enjoying it. And I said to myself, I was like, okay, I'm going to give myself six months because um, I'm not going to lose anything at the end of the day. Like it's just this is a bit of time and effort and energy. Um, so I gave myself sort of six months to see what I could do and make happen. Doing it full time after that, um, and yeah, clearly, clearly it was it was okay. Um, but at this point, like I was making you know no no money from youtube as such i think i made like 60 pounds a month from youtube and that was still with the same amount of probably effort that i'm doing now in videos in terms of time like in days per week and all that sort of stuff so um it was mainly mainly coaching that we started with so what helped you to persist when like because a lot of people want the cash up front right like i'll do it if you pay me to do it like and and youtube doesn't seem to be sending out these letters of like Hey, we'll we'll pay you to learn how to make good content, and then um, we'll see if people watch it. I haven't seen that from YouTube. Um. Sorry, I don't know. That was the Google. Um, yeah, I mean, you're you're right. I, I made YouTube videos for, I think it was pretty much two years, and that was before I even got paid anything at all. And I was like, so so to the point in which I finished um, university, it was like two years of YouTube, maybe maybe like a year and a half. Um, and yeah. and I was like, yeah, and I hadn't, I hadn't, you know, there was a lot of hours that went in, and I made zero. But again, I think the, the key was like, I actually just enjoyed doing it. Um, and that was, you know, it, it, it didn't feel like a like a, a chore to do. It was like a fun project to make it. What what makes it a winning video for you? Like, is it just, is it likes and comments? Ah, um, yes and no. Obviously, like engagement, likes and comments and, and that sort of thing means that you've presented something that was useful to a lot of people because people see it because you have two ways of looking at you like okay i want to get lots of views so i can get more money it's like well not really the goal the goal is like i'm trying to do this so i can help people not make the mistakes that i made or just help them out towards their their goals so like actually if you provide the most helpful information then it's going to get the most views um so i guess views to some degree but yeah, I, usually, I would say comments. I read the comments like every single day on pretty much all my, not all my YouTube videos, but I have, you know, the, the notifications from YouTube and I'll go through them like most mornings and just have a browse and hear what people are saying. And yeah, the amount of times this is like some people who have kind of had some back issues and they did the basic stretching routine and it's, you know, it's nothing. It's maybe it's not optimal training. It's not this, it's not that, but it's something and it makes a big difference then. And I'm like, cool, that's, that's amazing. That's kind of why I ends up, you know, that's why, that's why I enjoy doing this. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of exercise orthodoxy. Do you um, does, do you feel conscious of that? Of whether it's like the latest research back, <laughs> double blind. You know, uh, is there pressure on you to like keep up with the the Joneses or the the PhD indoctrinators or the you know <laughs> the PhD indoctrinators? Um, I certainly that. think there's some fallacies to being too evidence based. Um, <laughs> I mean, and Charles Poliquin and stuff were very vocal on this, saying how research is behind the clinician. And certainly, you know, what annoys me is when I see people say stuff when I can clearly see and read from like whatever they're saying that they've only experimented on them. And it's like, well, this has worked for me, therefore it should work for everyone else. I'm like, that's not like 
there's there's you know not sticking at 100 to what the evidence base is and then there's using the n equals one experiment which is just not good either mm-hmm. but there's definitely like methods that you can use and you understand learning from other practitioners you're like okay well i know this works and that in itself when you're present when i send, send the video and i'm like okay maybe this doesn't have the, the biggest evidence base but i know it works and i'll like try it and then i get comments or i get people and they're like oh yeah this really worked for me um like i did like a hamstring hack video which was using some ql waddles so like sitting on the floor just waddling back and forth and that's going to like engage hip flexor ql some other different bits that's going to help hamstring flexibility like i'm sure there's probably not any research saying that that's going to help but i know it does help and then you know the comments of people who like gained 10 centimeters just from one 10 second drill um is the evidence enough but if i'm presenting something that i know is going to be somewhat controversial then i'll do as much research as i can and I'll stick some sources and stuff in in the description because I think there's a little bit of responsibility in terms of what you're presenting. You don't want to say to people one thing when you you don't know what you're talking about to some extent. That's why I don't make too many nutrition videos because I'm like, I've done my research and I feel confident in myself, but telling you know, half a million people to do this, I'm like, I don't know if I can do that. That's a, that's a big responsibility. It's the prickly topic topic as well. It's 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 similar to telling them their religion, isn't it? Like you know, you need to you need to respect the school yeah. with 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 food. Um, yeah, it's uh, in handstands. If you wanted to be evidence backed with handstands, where where would you? Uh... I had this conversation. Do you know Ulrich? Ulrich on hands. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I teach workshops with him. I had, and he's he loves science, man. He's like he's like a. Uh, science is his religion not that there's anything wrong with that like i love the guy I teach works or something he's great but we had this yeah. conversation about this evidence-based thing and i was like okay then how do you know that the tuck handstand is good for strengthening traps and improving overhead flexibility where's your data for that and he's like well there isn't i don't have any I'm like yeah exactly but you know it works because it it does and that's the it's like there's just not not there's not always the money and the interest to study a lot of things so um yeah <laughs> the inverse the inverse is also true there's a lot of money and interest to study certain things and yeah. get, to get certain outcomes you know so oh, yeah it's, it's another deep rabbit hole but if you're standing with the majority then you're probably not you know you're probably not going well you're definitely not going to get an exceptional result by a definition if you're doing what everyone else is doing you, you can't get a, an exceptional result um, and then the chances of you know actually inventing something being ahead of the curve like making a contribution to humanity like you have to go against the grain and and all the great minds have been you know challenged and rejected to some degree in their in their time you know so not everybody wants to do that and and i understand and it's not about rejecting everything all the time um but i do think that a lot of coaches feel like they don't deserve to have a voice because there's someone else who's presenting the research better than them and I, and I don't agree with that. I don't like that because there's so much work to do in the world. The majority of the world is overweight, obese, you know, yeah. weak, not really happy with their bodies, not really happy with their health. So if this orthodoxy is doing so well with their science and their the way they get the message out, then why are the results, you know, such? So there's plenty of work to do. So don't yeah. worry I mean, about what the, anyone else is doing, like make a difference. Yeah, I mean, 100%. The basis of liberal science is that, everyone's opinion is equal everyone should have a say in a a topic and you know the bad opinions will get filtered out and disproved and that's fine Mm -hmm. that's how the process works 
but feeling like you can't say your mind is just not it's not great it's not great for critical thinking either um no you know, it, and yeah part there's the there's a whole other topic but um <laughs> yeah there's more than one way to to skin a cat hence why there's so many different diets or so many different methods of training out there that is actually successful people do well but there's not one method no that's the you know that's the fun of it and then the how you get your message across is a huge part of it as well so like what is the if you had to boil it down like what's the magic of your you know why have you got all the followers you know why have you got all the all the subscribers when there's so many people out there who, who would love to be you know in your position I, against them? I yeah, genuinely what's different about you <laughs> i genuinely couldn't tell you um i think i'm relatively good at explaining things in simple terms and i think sometimes um people oh so certainly a practitioner just overlook what i say because or not necessarily what i say but i get the impression that um the opinion is of somebody who isn't you know deep in the subject or whatever and doesn't doesn't take the time to study it but in reality communicating things in that sort of way doesn't help most people it's, it's all about simplicity so um I'll, i i always remember like when i was trying to learn these things i'd watch youtube videos or i'd read stuff and i fucking hate it when people are elusive when they're trying to sell something and i like they give you a hint of what it might be but then they just don't give you the thing and they're like oh but you can buy my program or do x y and i'm like oh, just fuck off just just like just tell me and and then i can give it a go and if i like what you're saying then i'll probably buy something off you um so i've always tried to my whole thing has been like i want to help people apply stuff um so, and, and actually just get started because uh one of my favorite sayings is by one of my mentors emmett lewis um and he his his whole thing is like doing it uh knowing is nice but doing is better and i'm like yeah, yeah. that's that's it like it, most of the time like it doesn't really matter if you're not doing the perfect thing but if you're doing roughly vaguely the right thing it's gonna it's gonna elicit some some good results so um and, and he was also one of the people who was like you know just give stuff away for free like a lot of my early videos were influenced by stuff that i'd learned at Emmett, and i'd be like Emmett, do you mind if i share this to modern he's like yeah no go for it as long as you credit me as long as you say where you got it from like no problem with you sharing it so that's what it is like, here's here's something give it a try that was that was really how he started his brand wasn't it he was the guy who because it was all kind of like trademarked um you know yeah movement stuff and then he was the guy who's like you know what's it called he called it um open open source movement or something like that was his kind of initial tag um, yeah i mean the started it was kind of a reaction to edo like edo was yeah. very secretive making people yeah. sign ndas when they went to workshops and all this sort of stuff and he was like nah, yeah you know stuff is basic and then he just like made youtube videos on like load of mobility and all these sort of stuff it was great yeah, it was great. It was great content. I, I love Edo too. You know, I went to a, I went to an internship with Edo uh, in Thailand and like made a big investment and you know went to some of his workshops and like he's made a massive contribution to the world of of training and you know yeah. there's just yeah. not one way to do it. You know, like you've done it on you you know ultimately like if you can't pay yourself then you're probably not going to be as good a coach as or have as good a life or help as many people as if you can, right? Like if you had to be working two jobs full-time, um, you know, or two part-time jobs or whatever, like if you, were, if you were working a lot of other stuff, like would you be able to help as many people, you know? No, so, no, true. I actually, I really struggled with this when I first started out, just in general charging people. Yeah. Uh, it was a hard thing for me to get around because, again, like I, my whole YouTube thing was like, I just, give stuff away for free and help people out and stuff 
Um, so it was, it was a hard shift. And then the biggest thing for me that I realized is like, I'm not forcing anyone to, to pay me. Like they want to, to, you know, they want the service. So I'm like, okay, well, if that's the case. I, I don't feel like I'm ripping people off as long as I feel like I'm providing the value that they're, they're you know, exchanging their money for, which you know, I think I do. So, you know, especially with YouTube stuff, I'm like, well, it's literally free. So you can't complain. <laughs> you can't sit for a five second ad. What, um, so yeah, what's the, like, what's the big thing for you now? Is it still, like, is YouTube your big thing or is like online training uh, a big part of what you do or what's? Um, I, yeah, so I probably could not coach, but I don't think that would be good for me uh, or like understanding or furthering my, my own understanding of things. So um, I would say it's like in terms of my, my job, I would say it's like pretty evenly split between coaching, doing YouTube stuff, um, doing related to like the apps and more like mass um, sort of generic, not generic programs, but like more um, low price or sort of wide range, less individualized. Yep. And then the rest of my time would be on other projects like uh, I'm doing some property development and some other things as well. So. Cool. <laughs> are you are you feeling like you're becoming more of a businessman like are you okay um, with it being like what you do as a career yeah for sure uh i i don't i don't mind the business aspect anymore it, it did take me like a few years to get my head around um but i you know i never really let it be the the focus though i'm like because as i said to begin with like well how do you say a video is successful okay yes it's views but views mean that it's helped a lot but in theory unless you're clickbaiting and other things has helped a lot of people so i always try to make like that the focus but then the latter usually comes subsequently afterwards so yeah uh, i'm trying to think what the exact question i feel like i got a bit way later that one i was just yeah asking how you feeling about the financial you know the, oh i see just being your career, yeah, you i mean I'm also somewhat aware that uh, it's not going to last forever either. Uh, and, and you're kind of at the mercy of platforms as we've seen. Um, so the, yeah, the, I'm, you know, trying to do other things to diversify or whatever it is that I do as a job and, but keep it to things that I enjoy as well. So, which is like, I, I actually, for my degree, I did in industrial design, which is like product design, practical making sort of stuff. I just happened to do it at like a big sports university, which is where I got into gymnastics and other things. Um, okay. But, so I, I enjoyed Lufria, yeah. yeah. So it was a it was a big distraction um, back in the day. But yeah, so I, I enjoyed the practical aspect of building, the making, and yeah. And it just so happens that it also can be financially um, rewarding as well, which is the fun bit. Yeah. What are you What are you excited about? What's coming next? Like myself yeah i've had a few people ask me that in the last six months i don't know i felt like i've achieved everything that i set out to achieve in the first place so i'm kind of just enjoying what i'm doing without the um too much effort in like what's next i think it's, it's very easy to like jump to the next thing but i'm trying to like take some time um this year to to, to plan I, and, and i was actually chatting to uh, daniel badnell fitness FAQs. Yep. Um, I'm sure you're aware of and we were talking about the same thing because um, I can't tell you what he was telling me but essentially he was choosing between like okay you know there's a limit to what you can do as one person and I'm certainly like at that point now Dan's been at that point uh, and it's like okay do you take the next step do you expand things do you bring people on do you try to like go to that next level or are you happy with 
where you're at and you just do what you can with the time you have and resources you have or and then do you like go into other things so I'm kind of that's that's for me this year is like okay do I um take the next step in, in terms of building a business and, and go in that way or do I just keep doing what I'm doing and do it as long as I can and then gradually shift on to other stuff yeah yeah, I was watching Daniel Vadnall in like 2010, maybe like when I was like, I was posting to YouTube in maybe, yeah, 2011, I think maybe was the first time. And I was sort of like, I oh, don't, you know, don't really have the time for this. Like I was working as a full-time strength coach in uh, France, actually. Yeah. And I sort of like posted a few videos and a few of them went like, like I posted with using like Joe DeFranco or Charles Poliquin and stuff in the titles and they got like 30,000 views or um but it was like kind of a new channel. Um, but yeah, I remember seeing Daniel's stuff at that time and thinking, oh yeah, like he's doing a really good job with his videos. I don't know if I could be, you know, bothered to <laughs> to put all that effort into editing and I never have. Um, but like yeah. seeing him go from that point where he would have been making nothing from it. And now he's, you know, I went to one of his workshops a couple of years ago. We chat from time to time. Um, we've talked about doing events together and stuff. But like it's, you know, he's built an empire and travel in the world. And it's, it's so cool to see that, you know, just from being really serious about your craft and and like yeah. doing something really well, you can you know build build a career out of it. Yeah, Dan, he's just a super humble guy, and he's been just really consistent, and that's the the main thing. Like that's what I, you know, when I started YouTube, I was like, I'm gonna upload every Sunday, and I haven't missed a Sunday in five years. Um, so Amazing. I was like, the consistency is definitely. I think that's what people when they start YouTube or whatever, is that they're a bit sporadic with it, have a schedule or something. You need to. But it's scheduled like it's a job and dan has just like consistently made good videos like he is to some degree like the granddad of calisthenics on on youtube or social media 100 percent, yeah i would say that that's fair how, how tall are you tom i'm six four hundred and ninety two centimeters yeah so I'm pretty tall. it's a it's a a less less common choice of training style that yeah, I remember turning up to gymnastics like at, at uni, and this was maybe I know I've been doing calisthenics for like a year or so. Um, and the, the the gymnastics coach there was Bulgarian, and I was like trying to do like some flips and some other things, and he kept looking at me. And then he came over to me and was like, "You shouldn't do this. You're not good." It's like go do pole vault. That that is a tall person's sport. I was like, "Oh, great!" But I like doing this. He's like, "Yes, but you're not good." <laughs> and that was that was just like his attitude he's like well if you're not going to compete and you're not meant to like just don't do it go do something that you're, you're going to be good at and I was like I was trying to explain to him I was like I just I enjoy doing it I don't care too much about the competing it's, it's fun he's like that so that was uh that was like my first little experience with old school gymnastics coaching um did, did that solidify that you wanted to to do it more like did you by answering those questions and you know it's like I know I really like this like I am going to do it <laughs> <laughs> no yeah i was like yeah there was an element of like proving people wrong um yeah. but i don't think I, it is definitely a disadvantage with some things but then other things it's not so um i've never really thought like now it's useful to i guess have some clout or even just some excuse as to why you can't do certain things uh on on online when it comes like oh i'm tall when i'm heavy but i've never really thought of it as like a massive disadvantage to be honest with you which movements do you think it's less of a disadvantage to so this is purely uh purely speculative but um from my experience coaching i found that taller people 
tend to have reasonable pulling strength, both in terms of lower body movements as well as upper body movements. Um, and shorter people tend to have stronger pushing strength. So it's better squat um, and stuff. And long, longer limbs anyway will have better pulling, so deadlifts and stuff, but also uh, pull-ups, front lever, that sort of stuff. And I would say that that is somewhat somewhat true. But then also there's lots to do with like muscle insertions, especially like on the lats and stuff can vary by a huge amount, which then changes massively the leverage that you have. So I don't think being tall is the biggest disadvantage. Like there's, there's so many other different factors. You could be tall and have shit muscle insertions and you'd be doubly fucked. But you could have, you could be short and have bad muscle insertions and it would not be beneficial. So it's a bit of a, you tend to find whenever you get into a training modality, you have things that you're going to be good and bad at. And there's no point not doing something because you're bad at some of it. 100%. And you could go back to that Bulgarian coach and you probably like, you know, you, you're probably living better than him. You probably, you know. <laughs> I, it's one of the things I, I didn't even, I wasn't even offended. Like, I understand where he's yeah, coming from. Like, he, he was coaching yeah, yeah. like GB athletes. And yeah, know, he's right. You I weren't going to go to the Olympics, but he was wrong. But you couldn't build a life out of it. You know, he was probably, probably wasn't aware of what was going to happen with the technological information age revolution. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He was, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's a different world, right? 100%. Um, but I think as well, that's, partly why I'm uh, somewhat uh, popular is because I'm relatable because I'm not particularly gifted I'm not I'm not useless but I'm not amazing like there's so many people out there who are ridiculously good at calisthenics or are ridiculously flexible all these sort of things but sometimes that's not yeah. always helpful because you can't then uh, understand the struggle that people go through this is why like professional sportsmen don't tend to make great coaches because they've always been genetically gifted and they've never had the same struggles that your average person does yeah you, yeah you know, i had some experience with the elite coaches as well and they you know they're teaching you how to do a handstand or whatever and then just pretty much like you know you go upside down and then you just stay there you know it's like <laughs> cool that, was, that wasn't that helpful you know like yeah, they, they literally because they're just used to having five-year-olds by the time they actually work with the person they've already got it or whatever like yeah and that's the same with gymnastics it's like you know, you get a bunch of kids do the same thing and there's like a meat grinder effect where people just sort of drop out and fall off and it's the ones that make it through that are the ones that are elite. And I think that's the only way to do it. It's like, well, yeah, for you, if you survive the like 15 years of grueling training together. Yeah, yeah, 100%. It's N equals one. It all it does all come down to N equals one. It doesn't make you the best coach if you only leverage off that, but ultimately like every one person that you work with it's about their result like they don't really care what results everyone else gets they they yeah. care about what you know what their result is and whatever you have to do to work with them it doesn't matter what works for the average person it's like you know how do, how do they get to where they want to go that's yeah that's the i don't think you appreciate that until you work with other people either like, i did never appreciate it until i started working with people and i was like oh damn those things that i thought would be easy that people would find really hard and then you have to <laughs> rethink how you're gonna structure or go about teaching somebody something yeah 100 percent. you learn yeah you learn so much and i think calisthenics is like really really good for coaching and understanding uh leverages cueing and you know for coaches out there who only train barbell and don't have any clue about calisthenics if they get to a basic level of understanding like levers and planches and progressions and things like that, I think they're going to be in a much stronger position even just to teach their Bible stuff. Like, so. Yeah, I agree with that. 
there's, there's so much there in terms of like even just thinking about the progression and how you progress time and progress like because you're not progressing load like linearly it's you become so much more dexterous with your thinking about like okay what are the pieces that surround this that we can yeah. actually do because we can't do what we want to do you know i think it makes you very adaptable because yeah. you kind of need to because there's there's often times whereas with weight training you've got that incremental progress with panasonic cv you can you can't and and that in between is a very gray area with certain movements is a lot bigger than others. Like handstand push-up is like pike push-up, the handstand push-up is like the only weight plates you have in the gym are 20 kilo plates. It's like trying to go from like a 60 kilo military press to a hundred kilo military press. It's like it's a big, it's a big jump. It's a hard one to, to overcome. So you have to get creative with how you go about solving that problem. 100 percent What um what movement challenge, like which which was like the biggest achievement for you like not like what you can do right now like but what was the one that you were like i'll never be able to do that and then you did it like if, if you had a single something out um i would say probably two things um middle split and then one arm handstands middle split because i've never been particularly flexible um and it just just felt like it was never going to happen and it's kind of just did although that was less of a grind it was just kind of just being consistent with things um, yep. but then the one arm handstand was one which i thought because i've seen those people do it i was like oh i can do this and i thought it was going to take me like three to six months and then i you know 18 months down the line i was like man i'm, I'm never going to be able to do this this is the hardest like the hardest continuous like physical challenge slash mental challenge of like having to show up and just keep failing repeatedly for like two and a half years until eventually it was kind of there so I would say like the, the one I has done was yeah, just because it was like two and a half year commitment of being consistent. And um, and that was probably the only time where I've been like, I definitely thought that I wasn't going to be able to ever get it. Um, whereas other stuff I've kind of, you know, I, I figured I'd just find a way. <laughs> yeah. Do you think that your, like, does your training influence the rest of your life? Like, do you... Do you, do you feel like it changes, you know, influences your character, etc.? Like, have you seen a, compared to who you were, I guess, before you trained and? Oh, I see. Yeah, um, I think that uh, I am more resilient from doing training and a little bit more, like, I don't really worry too much about uh, things happening. So I'm pretty sure I can find a solution to, to figure out the problem. I think that is down to kind of training a little bit. Um, like with, with training it was always a matter of scouring the internet for information and trying to piece together and figure it out and uh, and I'm like having I guess done that to some extent I'm like okay I probably can do that for a host of other things as well so yeah I think I, I'm much less afraid to take on challenges or take on risks I'm like I can I can pick, I'm figure out like I managed to figure out this thing I'll figure out the rest of it that's probably the biggest change and I definitely see that with people when you end up coaching them they just end up being a bit more confident in their own abilities yeah yeah i think it's i think it is hard to go through a significant physical transformation without influencing like the way you look at yourself and and other challenges one of the most rewarding things yeah a lot of people don't get to experience it which is a shame and for whatever reason, whether that's because that they've under the false pretenses of what constitutes to exercise and what they should be doing, and they don't like it, uh, or they just had a bad coach. Yeah, 
Yeah, I guess it comes from people's experiences at PE class and then thinking I have to go on the treadmill. I'm fat because I'm not on the treadmill enough. And it's like, you know, if once you do it, it's really like I think even with calisthenics, it's probably even more addictive, you know, because a lot of people get gym memberships. But I think if a lot of those people were, if they were going to the outdoor bars, like the Bondi bars and places like that, I think it becomes much more of an addictive thing of like, you can, it's kind of gamified and you're like ticking boxes of like, okay, this guy can do his muscle ups and then this guy can do handstands and then, you know, this guy can do his one arm uh, chin or whatever it is. Like, that's um, it's, different, it's different focus to like, okay, who can lift the most weight? Is Because is, is there's so many different avenues you can go down. There is kind of that aspect with weight training, but it's all going to be centered around a few core lifts. Whereas with yeah. calisthenics, you've got the people who are just handstand focused, you've got the people who do the crazy street workout stuff. Like, there's all these sort of different niches. That you can kind of end up with you almost can't look at you can't look at um calisthenics without kind of thinking of movement progression where you can go in the gym and like push a bunch of weights on machines or do some you know do some bench press or whatever without really thinking yeah like you, of course you kind of think oh, a couple more kilos would be cool but it's not the same as like i know i'm going to be able to do that movement if i keep going with this journey like Yes, yeah. like inherently more goal orientated. Um, probably, a, yeah. It would be a much better world if if uh, more people were doing it. If you look back to the ancient Greeks and whatnot, it's uh, it's clear precedent that it carried like that. It does contribute to a great life, but the other the other side of exercise of like eat less, move more. And, and I know you can kind of, there's kind of some truth to that, but it's like find something that you really love doing. And it's so much more than just like trying to move. It's like, you know, yeah. you're actually doing something that you really, really enjoy and you get a lot of satisfaction from. Like, Yeah, I think that kind of, again, back to the science sort of side of things, is a bit reductionist and it takes the fun out of it. There's yeah. definitely like an art to training or and that, that physical practice that is just more than like, okay what's the physical benefits of training like no just like that the actual doing the work is the the benefit rather than the outcomes that you get from doing it yeah yeah definitely it's not it's yeah you're not a machine like the emotional side of the experience is massive too do you mostly train on your own or do you have other crew there that you train with often or uh i mean especially at the moment <laughs> um yeah on my own yeah, I've got some friends um, who I do train with. Like I've got a good friend, David, locally. Um, and then I've got, there's like a group of people in Bristol, which is you know, a couple of hours away from me. So I, I, you know, I do make an effort to, to train and connect with people, but probably for the most part, like 80% of my training is you know, by myself in, in the gym, like most people already. Um, and which is, sorry. No, I was just going to say like the digital connections, like how valuable have the digital connections been for your journey i made so many like so many friends so met so many people who just you know from doing this and that was i probably you know i met those people ages ago not it's not even because like you have followers that you can meet people like you could just reach out to people in your community people you see commenting often and stuff and and just figuring out trying to connect with people it's it's a great thing to do it's one of the massive benefits of social media And, and it gets a lot of hate right like social media because there are some people that maybe aren't participating in life in a way that they're proud of 
because and, and they're just watching other people you know live their lives really well and, and that's probably fairly depressing and I, I think like it's pretty clear yeah. that it can be negative for mental health but if you're actually doing as well my experience is like when you actually go and see these people face to face they are actually like the people that you kind of know online and often better like it's actually often even more fun but like you do have a real bond already. Like I've, you know, had that experience where after, especially when you, once you podcast and stuff as well, like getting out of text, I think every, every format has its limitations. Like when you go from text to voice to video and then to face to face, like it's uh, another level of connection each time, but you can build like legit, like really strong friendships. Uh, yeah. I think through, through these, uh, these mediums, you know, yeah, and it's that's like definitely the best part. But it's all about how you use it. You know, if, yeah. you, if your your intention is to leverage the information and the things on there as inspiration, or to use it to connect with people, then yeah, of course you can have a great time. If you're if you're on there feeling the opposite, feeling like you're just watching other people do cool stuff, then it's not going to be enjoyable for you. How do you detach from the? You know, have you had times where it does like it's not you're not having fun with it, where you've like just about engagement and stuff and you know you feel like it's not going going well occasionally are you able to detach from like what actually goes on um i mean i'm not like obviously you know if you do a post that you like and it gets not as many likes as usual like it does it's like oh that's a bit annoying uh but i wouldn't say it like crushes me uh like for example, I recently did a book club video and that got like I don't know, seven thousand views or something, which is nothing for what you know a, a half a million channels to begin. But I was like, I actually just really want to do this. I know there's probably a handful of people that will connect with that. Uh, it doesn't matter if not a lot of people see it because I know that those people will find it enjoyable. So yeah, I probably I, I if you'd have asked me a few years ago, I would have said that it would affect me, and now it's not so much. I just kind of accept it. Yeah. The better you're doing business-wise, I think the like that's one thing, and then just the experience of it. Like I know it used to knock me around a ton. Like when I first did it, even though I had a full-time job and I like yeah. didn't even wasn't monetizing anything. Like I didn't have a business, it would still knock me around if I got like negative comments and and whatever. Like because yeah. a lot of my views are like probably counter. You know, some of them are against the against the norm. Like it was yeah, it was massive for me a few times with that negative stuff. I think like I think, going through that a few times is probably good for you too, right? Like, and then, yeah, uh, yeah. I think it's good. Time. Like, it, it, there's, there's some element of truth to those negative comments, <laughs> although maybe it's not presented in the best way, and they'd probably be an arsehole about it. Like, there's probably some truth there to learn from. So, yeah, I, I never, never mind too much. And it's good actually. That's the thing. Like, you don't need to agree on everything, especially. You know, with the stuff that I do, there's like handstands, flexibility, strength. Like there's there's different facets. So I'm like, okay, if I'm posting a video, I'm not expecting everyone that subscribed to me to watch that video because it's probably not to do with everyone. It's maybe like it addresses like 20% of the people following. So I'm perfectly fine if it gets less. It's more about, you know, is the connection on, on that particular instance good with whatever it is that you're communicating. So if someone's listening today and they want to be the next Tom Merrick, how... <laughs> How can how can someone become like they're obviously not going to use bodyweight warrior, but like what what would you suggest if someone wanted to like do what you've done? Like what's the what's your message to the sixteen year old kid out there who loves what you've done but doesn't know how to you know get started or 
Uh, I think don't try to emulate anyone online because it just won't do any favors. Like just, you know, take your own interests and what genuinely you enjoy doing in your own particular take on things and then just share it authentically. If you if you try to, you know, act a certain character or be a certain way, it's gonna very obviously become false. So I think authenticity is massive. Um just yeah. And 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 that's the thing, like just accept that you may not um you maybe you won't get half a million followers or something, but you know, not everyone can do that. Uh, but you don't need that many people to make a successful business. It's all about the the type of information you're producing and um and and who you're sharing it with. You know, there's there's a lot of probably successful coaches who have a couple of thousand followers on Instagram. Uh, it doesn't make what they're teaching any less significant than somebody who's got a million followers. And they're probably making a, enough of an income as well. It's, it's just about like, you got to do your thing. You'll find people who naturally, that's the beauty of the internet. You'll find people who naturally tend to your style, your way of doing things. Uh, you don't need to do the, I think a lot of people fall into that. Like I need to eat the generic, the, the mass market. Uh, you've got to do something that's going to please everyone. It's like, you can't please everyone. It's got to speak your truth and then you'll probably find some people who agree with you and it's going to be equally some people who don't. But that's all that matters, really. It'll be much easier to commit to in the long term as well if you're doing something that genuinely resonates with you as opposed to something you're trying to put on. Yeah, it's, it's great. You know, great advice and you definitely you have that authenticity in, uh, in everything that you're sharing here for sure. Um, that's... I think that's a great, great message for someone to take on if they're, you know, listening into this. Uh, the better you can sound like you're coming from the heart, um, the more, the more chance that someone else is going to go like, yeah, I'll keep listening to this guy. Like he's obviously trying to help me. Um, yeah. yeah, and just and you know, don't don't be afraid to you know, if it's not perfect, it's still good to do just be consistent with doing it and honestly i love going back and watching some of my old videos i'm like these are shocking you know i started i started filming videos on like an iphone 5 um so and like and that, you know you don't need like a lot of people are like oh what camera should i buy or mic or just just make some content that's good keep practicing it like it's like anything you you probably weren't good at handstands the first time you tried it but after the 100th session you got pretty good at doing it um so it's just yeah don't don't judge yourself too much. Have you because we've spoken about like coaches like Emmett Lewis and you know obviously you know Daniel Vadnall and you know you've got a network upside down Paul you know Paul um, these guys are in your network there. I, I think he's probably um, yeah. I think is he still got that handle? Yeah, he's like upside down Paul. I think maybe there's a number in there. Oh yeah, I, I just know him as Big Paul. Yeah, solid. Um, so, but do you have the same network? Like, do you have that kind of crew in in YouTube as well? Like, have you had some sort of some buddies that bounce ideas off with like um, doing YouTube, or is that like you just kind of got into that already with your coffee and stuff, and you just do your thing? Like, well, how do you learn yeah, about the you know, skills there? I say more for Instagram, the community side of things for sure. I don't like YouTube is great, but I don't think the interaction because you can't like DM people on YouTube. You've got comments and then comments often get filled up and you know but instagram is a bit more personal so i, I would say that i've met i've met a lot more people through youtube uh, sorry through instagram than i have through youtube 
but I have I've met a couple of people through through YouTube. Yeah, I would say like ninety nine percent of people for Instagram. But I was I was kind of asking. Um, I think I, my question didn't come out. Chapter three. Oh, sorry. But yeah, no, no. Like I was saying, um, you've got this mastermind around movement. Do you, do you have like a mastermind around like YouTube and people that have helped you to up your standards in that in the way that you've kind of watched some of these guys and had some support, you know, with Emmett and Daniel and these guys? Is there that stuff on the YouTube side or is it more, yeah, has it been otherwise? Oh, uh, not really. No, that's, I've, I've actually, I found that just going into other, other aspects, like I, I didn't, you know, go to other people who are making good YouTube videos and then look at what they're doing to understand more about the, because it's a different skill. It's not related to the subject you're doing. In fact, in, in the, in the fitness side of things, like oftentimes things are very badly presented, but because the information is good, it kind of chimes through. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. There's a, like, Dan is very much, Fitness Ever Hughes is very much against, like, the kind of face shot talking. Like, he has a lot of cinematic stuff, so he took a lot of shots. Um, and it's just him sort of voicing over things. So I've always just, like, gone, I used to set up my camera in the garden and just ramble a video and then try to do stuff that fits over the top. So it's like, you, you kind of figure your own way of doing things. But I would just, like, I just, I remember watching creators that i liked that when he related in, and doing what they did like i watched philip defranco for a long time and he was really into getting people to ask questions and, and interacting in the comments and all this sort of stuff so i've always tried to incorporate that it's something i really liked about his channel and i was like okay i want to incorporate that in mine so that you know you, you pick and steal and and take things you like from various sources but no i've, I've not had anyone sort of help but that's the beauty of youtube you can learn yeah yeah 100 Epic. Well, yeah, I really, uh, really appreciate you making time for this today, Tom. And uh, we were going to do it, and then we we're going to do it, and then we finally did it. So, uh, yeah, really great to meet you. I appreciate your time and, and all your uh, the effort that you put into what you do. Like, I can see you genuinely you know, care, and you, you've put a lot into your content. So, uh, yeah, yeah appreciate you too, sharing some time with us today. And, and yeah, thanks so much. Pleasure. Keep speaking your truth.